This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Now, for more than two months after sports stopped and after weeks of round-the-clock discussions with medical experts and professional sports bodies, I'm delighted to announce today that the government has published guidance which allows competitive sport to resume behind closed doors from Monday at the earliest, and crucially, only when it's safe to do so. It's up to each individual sport to decide exactly when to resume competition. They know their sports best. But football, tennis, horse racing, Formula One, cricket, golf, rugby, snooker and others are all set to return to our screens shortly, with horse racing first out of the gate in the North East next week. On the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. That was the Secretary of State for Digital, Culture, Media and Sport, Oliver Dowden, confirming that comp- competitive sport can actually resume behind closed doors in the UK from today. Ah! And of course, we've had a couple of days for the news to sink in that the EPL is back. The guys are going to react some more. And by the guys, I mean Kishnan. Hello, Kish. Hello, hello, Ross. Uh, hello to Nicholas Anil as well. Hi, Ross. Hi, Nick. And uh, Craig Marias joins us with his nifty Man United mug in his hand. Here you go. I'll bring it up for you, Ross. <laughs> How are you guys <laughs> doing? You right? Uh, tweet us at BFM Radio. Follow us on social media. It's uh, BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And you know what? We've set up a YouTube channel. Oh, yes, we have. Friday shows coming to you live do subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's TFIF on video. Right, on with the show then. We heard uh, Oliver Dowden at the start say that it's all right for the EPL to return. The EPL have announced that it will restart on the 17th with a couple of games. Aston Villa against Sheffield United. Man City against Arsenal. Uh, Come to you first, Craig. That's great news, first of all, right? I mean, for us, yes, as, as spectators, as fans, um, it, it's absolutely fantastic um, that we have the EPL coming back. Uh, don't get me wrong, it's, it's been good watching the Bundesliga, a different league, um, and following it you know, up close and personal. But, um, you know, the Premier League is, is the one that, you know, really excites us. I mean, it's why we do the show, um, and it is the most watched league around the world. Um, but, but in saying that, you know, I mean, it's still boils down to the fact that, you know, is it the right time to resume the league? You know, um, is it safe enough um, to resume the league? And and I think you, you you know, as a fan, yes, you know, you want the matches to come and all that. But when you see the risk element and and, and take that into account, you know, um, I'm still not convinced by the numbers that, you know, uh, that that UK have um, in terms of cases, in terms of death tolls. and and it's still for me. It just feels like it's all a bit too early. It's it's all a bit too rushed. Um, I can understand the financial aspect of it. Um, you know, you know, with with the clubs, with the revenue on match days, uh, with the, the the broadcasting rights. You know, some uh, some teams even have clauses um, with their kit suppliers. Um, Man United, for example. You know, should they not make Europe and all that? So so there is a huge financial aspect to um, to the to the league resuming. However, for me, as I said, Ross, it seems like it's all a bit too early. And, and because the UK right now is not in a very safe place, um, I, I just think that this is a bit rushed and yeah. a bit forced. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit weird because if you read the press, take all the numbers in, the UK seems pretty critical still. But let's, let's not discuss that. That's a totally different kind of show. Um, the, well, I want to come to you, Kish. The Premier League clubs have been told by the Premier League that uh, when it restarts on the 17th, um, depleted squads will not be an accepted excuse. Whether or not, even if you have 15 fit players, you will go ahead and play the game. Um, we're we're going to bring up what's happening in Germany in a few minutes, but I mean, your initial reaction to that, Kish? I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised. As it is, you're already taking a huge risk by getting the league to continue. And if you're going to do it, you've got to bite the bullet and just completely <laughs> jump into it. And that's exactly what the Premier League are doing, right? If, if we're going to get the league running, sink or swim, we've got to get it running. And even if that means you have 15 fit players, we get the games going. Um, obviously, uh, you've got the uh, international football um, uh, board that have approved the new five substitutions, which should help. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, play, the fitness levels will, will come into questions. And as you mentioned just now, we will probably discuss uh, whatever that's going on in the Bundesliga. And mm. we would probably end up seeing something similar in the Premier League as well. Yeah. Uh, but it's, to me, it's just no surprise uh, that the, the statement that has been given by the Premier League. Because even the decision to resume the league, like Craig pointed out at this stage, it's still a pretty risky one. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's very true. Uh, Nicholas Anil, Karen Brady's been very vocal. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> she came out and, and said, like, you know, she's worried about the injuries and all that. She has a point, though. I mean, in the Bundesliga, uh, comparing now and, say, last season, a few seasons ago, injuries have risen threefold. Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise. Uh, players have been on lockdown for the best part of three months. You know, uh, a lot of them have just been uh, consigned to light training at home. Uh, they have not uh, really got any rigorous training until uh, they were allowed to have full contact training. So obviously, you're going to have uh, injuries when uh, players go from 10% to 100% in the span of, uh, you know, two to three weeks. That is an understandable um, uh, situation. But just looking at the bigger picture, you know, clubs... Uh, while while they do have uh, limited squads, you know they can always rely on on uh, under twenty three players. They can always rely on on reserve players. They do have the depth, you know, in younger players to step up to the fold. If let's say you know injuries really take a toll on the first team, so I don't think that uh, this is an ultimately uh, dire situation when you when you put into context of the resumption of the league. And you have to understand that these these are these are athletes who have been playing uh, competitive football for the best part of their life so you know they're just going to have to get used to it and uh, get the game going for for, for the betterment of, of everyone involved uh, in, in the sport. Mm. Craig, um, injuries aside, uh, some high-profile players have expressed fears about returning too early just like you, you mentioned. Uh, these are really high-profile players. We're talking Troy Deeney of Watford, Sergio Aguero of Man City, N'Golo Kante of Chelsea. Imagine City, Watford and, and Chelsea going into games without those players. That's not on, is it? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you watch the Premier League, I mean, you, you know, in reference to what, what um, Nick said, you know, yes, they can use the under-23 players, but, I mean, you're not going to be tuning into the Premier League to watch City, you know, five players from the under-23 squad playing. I mean, you want to see the cream of the crop, you know? You want to see your Sergio Aguero's out there having a fantastic game, doing what he does best. 
um, and, and showing us why he's one of the best strikers in the world. You want to see these top players playing. You I mean, Watford, you know, imagine Watford going into this in the relegation battle that they're in without yeah. their captain, their star man, Troy Deeney. You know, it just, you know, it's just not going to be the same. And, and, and you know, we, we pay, you know, good money to, to watch these, you know, top class players play when we want to see the best. And there is that fear, um, as I mentioned, I think, uh, on the show last week or, or two weeks ago, you know, the, um, the BAME players um, where, you know, there, there's a high risk um, for, for, for black or... or um, ethnic, uh, 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 Asian ethnic, origin. Ethnic, yeah, yeah. Um, players. That there is that risk that they can contract it easily. They're, they're more prone to contracting it. Um, and, and, and again, I go back to, to what I said earlier, you know, is it the right time to resume the league? Are the UK or are the Premier League pushing this too early? I mean, we've seen, you know, I might get a little bit political here, but we've seen the government already easing the lockdowns, saying everyone can go back to work. Um, I think as of today... Schools you know, are starting you know, soon, right? Schools in the are UK. starting, exactly. Yeah, today. Um, so, so, so it's, um, I mean, it just feels all a bit too rushed when you haven't actually dealt with the issue. You haven't actually dealt with the problem. Um, so, yeah, I can understand that there's going to be some serious concerns with serious players. But I think the Premier League clubs have been really understanding. I think it was Angolo Kante who, who didn't turn up for training. I think it was Troy Dean that did go for training. Yeah. Uh, but the clubs respect that that stance that they take. And, and, and that's fair enough. And yeah. uh, Troy Dini famously came out and said, you know, if, if the club d- decide not to pay me because I'm not coming into training, so be it. Yeah. The health of my son, um, who, who I think has breathing difficulties, you know, is his, his main concern and rightly so. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see how uh, the mooted June 17th return is. For now, we are all still very excited. Uh, La Liga have announced that they will resume on the 11th of June, Quiche. Um, they're going to restart with a severe derby. Now, now listen to this. Uh, La Liga president, Javier Tebas, uh, says that they're going to give an experience to the fans because it's all about the fans watching from home. It'll be behind closed doors. Currently, La Liga are audio-visual testing, so the fans will have a different viewing experiences available. They can choose from two options, real silence from the stadium, i.e. swearing, just swearing, or simulation of the crowds with noises being played. Kish, this is a, uh, an upgrade on the K-League. Uh, I think it's, it's probably a decision that was made judging by the split reaction that... Uh, Artificial crowd noises has been uh, creating yeah. all over Twitter based on what we've seen in the Bundesliga and the K-League so far. It's smart, uh, definitely, because you've obviously got a group of fans who prefer watching it without the artificial crowd noises. But then you've also got others, like myself, who prefer it far better with the artificial crowd noises. So it's a smart move. What I like especially about the La Liga plan, and I think they are in a far better position to be able to make calls like this, is the fact that they haven't only decided on a date for a restart of the league, but they've also got a prospective date for the new season. And I think it's even if that date is obviously subject to being changed or, or altered, depending on how the COVID-19 situation evolves in the country, but point is, the very fact that they've got a prospective date uh, allows stakeholders within the game to sort of plan around it, which gives it a bit more stability at the moment. Because everywhere else at the moment is just about finishing the current league, 
and then we will discuss when new season should start. I think I think the I think the Premier League have have decided that they want to start it at the exact time that they usually do. So yeah. first uh, second week of of August. Yeah. So hence why you're going to have a blockbuster of games, you know, just right next to each other, you know, within within a, a month or two. Um, oh, okay. So even even without games. a massive preseason in, in in the middle of yeah. it, it's going to be yeah. no yeah. preseason. Just I think. No, uh, okay, that's that's fair enough. But yeah, the, the the Spanish league is starting off with a with a with a series of really cool games. And the other thing that's that's fun about the the, the La Liga at the moment is that they're looking at games taking place every single day. Yeah. So it's not your it's not your Friday Saturday thing where we we compact five games uh, in the span of one day. Here they're looking at games taking place every single day, which allows fans to watch different games. And there's one additional thing that we've got to point out about the Spanish football culture. Uh, in Spain, it's always it's always been about watching home games. Fans rarely travel for away games unless it's a huge one. It's always the the, the culture has always been about prioritizing home games. So there is always a huge culture of watching games from home when it comes to away games. So they sit in their in their at, at home they sit in their bars. So the culture of watching games on their television exists, and it's a very large part of the Spanish society, which probably explains why they're putting extra effort into trying. To yeah. make that experience as comfortable as possible, and probably explains why they're trying to split the games to an everyday thing, so that fans yeah. get daily access to the game. Yeah. Well, personally, I, I I can't wait. But but let's let's side segue a little bit here. Nicholas Arnold, I, I read that in the Danish Superliga, Arhus are giving the chance to watch the game from a totally different perspective. They, they put Zoom cameras on their individual seats. So you literally get the point of view uh, that you would from the stadium. Now that's innovative. Definitely, that's that's an immersive experience altogether, and uh, very revolutionary for a club like Ahers to get into the uh, to spotlight for for these sort of reasons. And I think a lot of clubs have sort of come up with with different ways to engage uh, uh, fans and also to engage uh, uh, spectators as a whole. Um, obviously, it's not going to be the same as going to the stadium and you know catching the games. But uh, right now, we are living in totally different times, and uh, if this is the best that we're going to get, then uh, so be it. Yeah. Uh, just to wrap up the news of the week, then Craig Marias, Serie A have announced they are to resume 20th of June. They still have 12 rounds of matches remaining. Uh, so slowly but surely, the, the rest of Europe. I mean. Whether or not they're jumping the gun, let's not get into that. But it's good to see that football is starting to wake up again. Yeah, it is. Um, like I said, you know, us as football fans, you know, it's it's what we've wanted. Exactly. It's what we've been praying for. You know, um, you know, it, it hasn't been uh, there hasn't been a lot to to, to look forward to. There's only the so much Netflix months. we can take. Exactly, exactly <laughs> that. You know, um, but no, I mean, it's it's good in the sense that. You know, it gives people that that kind of hope, and and that you know people look forward to it. Um, but then again, you know, with with, with Syria and with La Liga, it, it boils down to the same concerns I have with the Premier League. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, is it the right time? Spain is still, you know, they still have uh, quite a few cases. Let me there. jump jump in here, Craig. Um, yeah. Spain, I mean, in Germany, Bundesliga are gone now. Uh, we don't hear much of BAME coming out from Germany. And there, there are quite a few there as well. Do you know what I mean? So the, the, the word yeah. is maybe that the English are a bit more paranoid and, and all that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you could argue that, uh, I think, you know. But, you know, again, 
you, you look at you look at the stance that these players are taking and why they're taking it. Um, I mean, it's 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 a scientific fact that has come out. It's not something that you can argue as well. But it's also the fact that Bundesliga is being played in a country where the the coronavirus numbers are significantly lower yeah. to those of uh, the United Kingdom, Correct. for that example. Yeah. So, like, you can understand why the paranoia is a lot worse in the UK as opposed to Germany at home. Well, especially uh, when you know, ministers going AWOL on drives and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah well, there's that. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we, we're looking at this, and and that's like you know the four big leagues that we said, and then yeah. I'm just thinking about Ligue 1, you uh, know, and uh, and. You know, oh, there's going to be some that. suing there, Craig. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> they're going to, you know, some certain teams will look at this and say, well, how come all the top leagues are, are resuming? We were hasty in making a decision, yeah. you know, to, to call off the league and, and you know, and, and award it to, to, to PSG and everything. Um, and, and you're right, Ross, you know, you can see a few lawsuits being filed. Yeah, jumping the gun for all the wrong reasons, that one, Liga. All right, we're going for a short break. When we come back, then we are going to talk about the excellent Bundesliga weekend. Stay tuned. This match would normally have over 80,000 pairs of eyes trained on it, but now... On the ball on BFM 89.9. Brilliantly done. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Wonderful control. And superb execution. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Um, on the ball. Yes, you, you, you're probably thinking, hang on, shouldn't this be called off the ball? No, just to confuse you a bit more, we're going to be called on the ball until the end of the season. <laughs> yes, uh, do, do follow us on, on Facebook. Do follow us on Instagram. It's BFM Football. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We've set up a YouTube channel. Do subscribe to TFIF on video. The guys deem too pretty for radio. (laughs) Watch this space. Right, let's talk about the football that we saw over the weekend. Nicholas Arnil coming to you first for uh, Bayern Munich 5, Fortuna Dusseldorf 0. Um, this game, this win meant that Bayern at the time moved 10 points clear at the top. They totally wiped the floor with Dusseldorf. Lewandowski scored a brace and, and the guy is just absolutely awesome. Yeah, he is. And what, what really strikes me about him this season is uh, he's, not, he's not just operating in a, in a number nine role as, a, as, as nearly a target man, you know. He's evolved so much under Hansi Flick. You know, he's, he's involved so much in the link-up play. He's involved so much um, uh, with, with uh, you know, uh, providing assists uh, for his teammates. And you could just see that, that uh, in, in this victory, how much he has evolved and just more proven a goal scorer, you know, how he brings his uh, teammate into play. And uh, that pretty much opens up so much of opportunities for this uh, Bayern side because, you know, they are blessed with so much of pace and uh, dynamism uh, moving forward. I really wanted uh, Borussia Dortmund to get a result against Bayern Munich uh, in the, in the yeah. week game just to keep this uh, Bundesliga alive because that's what we've been all uh, looking forward to since yeah. football has started. Unfortunately, uh, that's not been the case and we can see that this it's going to be a matter of time uh, before Bayern uh, turn champions. And We wouldn't have imagined it you know, at the start of the season when uh, Nico Kovac uh, uh, got, got released and Hansi Flick took over. But what an amazing job he's done with this team. They're just pretty much waiting and biding their time. Yep, Lewandowski has now, his brace takes him up to 43 goals in all competitions for this campaign. It equals his personal best. I dare say he may net a few more. Uh, and 
in, in time to come. But uh, Keish, are there any more nice things we can say about Alfonso Davis? Because the, the, the kid, that fifth goal, wow, right? It's incredible, really. I mean, it's, it's crazy because just a season ago, there were a lot of people who obviously saw the potential in him, but everyone was questioning, did he make the move to Europe a bit too early? And did he move to a club that was too big for him at that, that age and at, at, at that stage of his, of his career? Uh, he started out, his first season was obviously a difficult one, but just, just looking at the way he has evolved into the player that he is, just over the course of the last eight, nine months or so, has been incredible. Mm. He's played in every single league game for Bayern Munich. He's been so consistent. And it, I, I wouldn't even disagree. I, like, I can't think of many reasons to disagree with someone who claims that Alfonso Davis is probably the best left back in the world at the moment. Yeah. Because watch, you watch a lot of these games and you see the kind of runs, the kind of, not just the offensive runs, but the defensive tracking back that he does. The kind of effort that he puts into it. And it's, it's incredible. But yeah. the bigger picture here is, right, with a player like Alfonso Davis, I think it just goes to show how much more dominant Bayern are going to be for the, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. They've got a couple of old guards, right? But they've also got a new breed of players and they're consistently looking to bring it. Like they're obviously being linked with Leroy Sané at the moment, who's going to be the next big thing, the next big guy at Bayern Munich. But they've got players like Serge Gnabry, players like Kingsley Coman. They've got a youth ready to take over Bayern, that the next level of evolution. And it, it, it just signals continuous domination in, in the Bundesliga. When you look at clubs like Borussia Dortmund, for example, this season, Ross, this season was the one season that any other team in the Bundesliga could have won the, could have won the Bundesliga other than Bayern Munich. Yep. Right? Bayern struggled under Niko Kovac at the beginning. Yep. But look at where they are at the moment. Yep. The recovery that they've put in, the way that their rivals have faltered. And you look at the Bayern squad with players like Alfonso Davies and you look at the kind of people that they're being linked with as well and you just think they're going to continuously dominate at least for the next five years as well again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Leroy Sané is heavily linked with, with a summer move. But, but Craig... Uh, this this Bayern resurgence, this Bayern dominance, if you like, a lot of it is down to Hansi Flick. He's won 22 of his opening 25 games. He's he's brought back, rejuvenated uh, Muller. That midfield looks absolutely awesome. Yeah, um, you know, just what what Nick said as well just now. You know, I mean, the the job that he's done there. I mean. I think he was brought in as a as a caretaker uh, manager. Exactly, he, like he Ole, right? Yeah, uh, but you know the it, it wasn't so much that Bayern had a bad squad. I mean, we all look on paper, and you know they're, they're world class names there. Just Niko Kovac wasn't gelling them together. They down tools for Niko. I, I hate I hate it when people say that, but I mean th there is some truth to that uh, most of the time, you know. Um, but but I just think you know Niko Kovac's ideas didn't, didn't really come across. Uh, it didn't translate uh, on the pitch, but you look at Hansi Flick and and the way this Bayern Bayern squad play football, and the excitement that you get from you know Gnabry, Alfonso Davis is a, is a left back playing as a left winger, um, but it's just those small tweaks that he's made as mm. well. Like like uh, Nick said, you know Lewandowski always an out and out number nine in the box kind of striker, you know. Now you see him, you know, just dropping off, you know, into a number 10 position at times, not always going to be in the box, doing a lot more work when you think, you know, as he's getting older, you think he could probably stay in the box a little more. And with the service that he's going to get from the creative players around him, you know, he, he'd get more. But he's come, off, he's come off that forward line a little bit more. And, and we're seeing 
him still scoring, you know, a crazy amount of goals. We, we look at Alfonso Davies, you know, he's a left winger, never played left back in his life. You know, has a little tweak, moves him into, uh, you know, a left back position. And, you know, you've got one of the best uh, on current form, one of the best left backs in the world. You, know, yeah. you look at his performance in the Champions League, for example, you know, it was a fantastic performance. Um, and, and there's just so many tweaks and it's not so much how he's changing. He's allowed them to express themselves. He doesn't take away, for example, the attacking instinct that mm. Alfonso Davies has, even if, even if he's a left back. Um, you know, just when, when Kish was mentioning just now on Bayern Munich, um, you know, building for the future, you know, it was a risk when you take someone like Alfonso Davies. But it's, it's a risk that Bayern Munich are willing to accept. You know, yeah. it, wasn't a, it wasn't an expensive risk. You look at Sarpreet Singh uh, that yeah. they took from the A-League from, yeah. from, from Wellington. You know, uh, another talented individual who was too good for the A-League. They brought him over at a young age. You know, he's, he's played a bit in the Bundesliga off the bench. But, I mean, this is Bayern are thinking, you know, five years ahead already. You know, once you mould these players up, they're, they're able to take on you know, the, 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 the responsibility of replacing people like Thomas Muller's and, and, you know, Matt Hummels at the back. And uh, uh, Sorry, not Matt Hummels, he's moved already. Sorry. Um, but, you know, all these experienced individuals, now you see this, you know, the, the young blood slowly being moulded. And once they get given the chance, it's up to them to prove that they're good enough to stay in that Bayern Munich squad like Alfonso Davis. Brilliant. Yeah, uh, the, the Big Red Machine on the verge of their eighth successive title. We go from the Big Red Machine to the Blue Broken Machine, that is Schalke, managed by David Wagner. Uh, they lost at home to Bremen, 1-0. Bremen actually boosted their chances of escaping relegation. Nicholas Arnold, um, David Wagner is on a run of 11 games without a win. I think Schalke are one of these teams really happy that it's played behind closed doors because can you imagine <laughs> fans in that stadium, Nick? Yeah, yeah. It'll be <laughs> catastrophic uh, for, for a team in, in, in this uh, rut of form. Um, I watched uh, the highlights of this game and... You know, Schalke were just not in it. You know, they were utterly dominated from start to finish. And uh, it was a, a winning goal worth to win any match uh, yeah. in, in, in any game. Uh, but I just want to go back to, to David Wagner. You know, and, and I think not too long ago, he was outed as one of the upcoming bright continental managers. You know, first season in Huddersfield, he did so well. Uh, you know, I think he, he even uh, gained a lot of plaudits and a lot of respects. Uh, from um, from uh, accomplished managers, but then you go to the second season, and uh, Huddersfield were absolutely abysmal, and um, he left before the season ended. And um, at Schalke, he seemed to have started well, but now it's all gone south. And you seem to think that you know this guy's, uh, while he's a bright manager, the consistency is not there. You know, it, Schalke it seemed the team for him to you know really catapult his reputation. You know, to take them into a European spot, help them challenge for Europe, Europa League or even Champions League places. But, you know, it, it looks like everything is just uh, down in flames at the moment. And, and Schalke will be, will be really fortunate to just, you know, remain in the league at this point. All right. We're, we're going to leave it there for now. More Bundesliga when we return. Stay tuned. Plenty to aim for and again it drops in such a dangerous area. On the ball on BFM 89.9. But what a chance that was, right on the stroke of our time. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, this is On the Ball on a Monday evening. That's right, we're keeping just the one show running until the end of the season. It's an unprecedented 
kind of season. Uh, tell you what, if you really miss us on Fridays, what you should do is subscribe to our YouTube channel, TFIF on Video. Imagine seeing Craig, Keish, and Nick in the flesh. <laughs> yeah. I wish that on anyone. Like, yeah, no, I don't know. Up to you. Yeah. <laughs> Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Just to run through the rest of the, the weekend's Bundesliga, then the, the, the Saturday games, uh, Mainz nil, Hoffenheim won. Babu scored with almost his first touch. Um, Hoffenheim are actually looking quite good for qualifying for Europe this season. They, they're, they're one of these clubs, I guess, expected to go down at the start of the season, but they're all right. Can't say too much for Klopp's old side, though, Craig. Yeah, um, you know they, they, they've they've been in decent form. You know, it's a big big win for them. Um, and if you look at that, you know, we, we we just spoke about Schalke just now as well. You know, I mean, they they were looking good. Uh, we we were applauding the fact that that uh, how well David Wagner had into, yeah had taken them up there. But because of their their decline in form, and you know, I think it's three four losses on the balance since since the restart. You know. You see these other teams now having a sniff at it and say, hey, look, you know, there, there might be a chance for us here. I mean, Hoffenheim is sitting seventh in the Bundesliga right now. Um, and, and, you know, it might be a little bit to, to, to get them there. But, you know, you look at Wolfsburg, um, you know, the level on points with them, you know, yeah. and, and it kind of gives them a glimmer of hope. And, and, if, and now it's, it's at that stage of the season where if they put a run together, you know, anything can happen. I think if you look just further up, you know, Leipzig, um, who, who are in fifth, you know, there's a bit of a distance there. Um, I think that one might be be a bit hard to claw back. But I mean, you look at Wolfsburg in in uh, in sixth, and they'll be saying, "Well, I fancy ourselves to get something here." Yeah. Um, for that for that that last bit, you know, it's it's quite hard for them to break into the the top five. But you know, in sixth place, Wolfsburg, you know, it, it could happen. Uh, one team, Kish, uh, who who is very fun to watch at the moment. They they are on an unbeaten run <clears throat> yeah. under their new head coach Bruno Labbadia. Uh, it's also Cam Raslan's favorite team, uh, Hertha Berlin. <laughs> surprise, surprise! <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Hertha Berlin beat Augsburg two nil. Uh, they are great fun to watch. I, I I can understand Cam on this one. Yeah, it's what's great is that um, you, you look at everywhere across Europe, the capital cities of a lot of these big European countries often have really powerful, solid teams, right? You go to London and you, you, you've got your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's, your Spurs. You, 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 go, to, you, you go to places like Milan, you've got, this, you've got San Siro, you've got, uh, you've got Inter, you've got AC Milan. But Berlin has always had um, clubs that were sort of mediocre. Um, Union Berlin, obviously, you know, they, they've played a lot of their trade in the bottom divisions. But Hertha Berlin, um, it's genuinely good to see the sort of form that they are in at the moment because they kind of look like, like, like no one can just take them apart. If you look at their form before there was a break in the, in the Bundesliga, they, they, they hadn't won any in three games. And then in comes a new coach, restart, and they, they, they're easily one of the most exciting sides in the league. Yeah. And there are certain games, so you watch the, you watch the way they play, you watch uh, the way, uh, even the, 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 the play that they were able to bring in in January from AC Milan, Piatek, he's slowly gelling into, this, into yeah. the squad. And you watch the way he moves around the park at times, uh, and, and you're thinking to yourself, wow, this, this Hertha Berlin side are real fun. And it's not just real fun, but you start to think to yourself, if they keep this momentum going and they continue to play the way they do, then it, they could potentially push into the top five 
um, of the Bundesliga, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happening. I mean, Berlin deserves um, a huge football club. And Hertha Berlin, at least in the last four games, are really playing the way um, you'd expect a, a big club to play. They, they're completely dominant and they are, they're scoring goals for fun as well. Yep. Um, all right, uh, Nick, I, I want to jump back in time to the Friday game in the Bundesliga uh, and, and, and talk about a, a young lad called Kai Havertz. Um, Leverkusen won 1-0 against Freiburg. Havertz scored a really nice goal. If, if you have a look at it, he made the run. He put the, he nutmeg the goalie <laughs> through his legs for the goal. He's now become the, the youngest Bundesliga forward to reach 35 goals. Uh, this is 35 goals before the age of 21. This kid is special, Nicholas Arnold, isn't he? Definitely. And, and he looks to have uh, quite a competition. You know, now you have Haaland, you have Sancho, you know. Um, but this guy, you know, he looks to be doing the goods. And what a victory, you know, that that been puts Leverkusen in fourth. They are on point, same level on points with uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. You know, uh, Champions League match uh, plays very much intact. Um, and his, his stocks just seem to rise with every game. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the good thing about Kai Havertz is with this Leverkusen side, you know, it's a very exciting side. You look at Leon Bailey and, and Kai Havertz. Yeah. And he's not, he's not a, your out-and-out striker either, is he? Uh, Kai Havertz, you know, he's playing in that um, false he, nine kind of position. He can, he's not, can he's go not really left, a, mid, left wing, yeah, yeah, number playing 10. Playing the hole as a number or, 10. Or yeah. And, and, I mean, and I, Craig, I, Craig, he's been linked to United, yeah. right? There's a lot of talk. <laughs> oh, I think he's linked with every big club in Europe, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, I mean, and I'm not surprised, you know. I mean, he's got nine goals and four assists uh, since, this, since the turn of the year. Uh, and since, you know, this, uh, the Bundesliga has restarted, he's got five goals in four games. I mean, you, in that kind of form, you know, it's, it's, it's enough to attract all the big names in Europe. And as we were just talking about his positions just now, I know, I know you're going to jump in here, Keish, as well. Um, I, I still think, you know, if he plays behind, you know, a, a, an out-and-out striker, you know, and he plays in that hole, give, gives him a bit of freedom to move around. You know, I think that's where you can hurt most, you know, and, and make those late runs into the box. I mean, even the goal over the weekend, it was a great goal, great bit of uh, a skill by Leon Bailey as well. Yeah, uh, wonderful skill. But you, you look at where he starts, he starts that move, Kai Havertz. You know, he plays the ball into Leon Bailey, makes the run, uh, you know, from the outside of the penalty area. The acceleration, uh, and, and yeah, the accelerator. I mean, he's the kid's got everything. You know, he's a big talent, and um, you know it'll be hard. I think Leverkusen will be getting Champions League football, yeah. um, and you know that. I still think he should stay another season with them, experience that, um, get get some regular football, and then next season, then make up his mind what, what he wants to do. Uh, what, what do you reckon, Keith? Do, do you reckon he he will stay another season, or do you see him uh, in the Premiership next season? Oh, this is a tricky one because under regular market conditions, I would expect to see him move. But I think clubs will be extra cautious with how they choose to spend their money. But inversely, it also means that a lot of these Bundesliga clubs also will will accept offers that are probably lesser than they usually would as well, depending on the market conditions. But I agree completely with, with Craig that Kai Havertz should probably spend um, an extra year um, in, in the Bundesliga. Because make no mistakes, He's a terrific player. And it's we hear the word versatility being thrown around very often. But with Kai Havertz, he truly is versatile. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to his positioning in the final, that is incredible 
how you, you look at these average positions in a lot of the goals that he scored, a lot of the goals that he's involved in. There's so much of variety in it. He pops up everywhere. He's so unpredictable. And that's what makes him such a good player. And you don't want that element to be killed very early on. If he jumps to a, a league like the Premier League, which is hyper-physical, at this age, defenders will be pushing it against him. You don't want to take away elements like that. You want it to grow in him a bit more. And then he arrives at a bigger stage where he has complete supreme control over, over these this instincts. And, and Kai Havertz, we will see him being an influential player for the years to come. It's just a matter of when he makes that jump. I think he should stay another season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think just, just going on that, you know, I think European football will be good for him. Uh, but, but then again, it's, it's going to boil down to, to Leverkusen as well. You know, I, I, I mean, we don't expect there to be crazy uh, transfer fees um, yeah. th- this, this season. But, you know, if, if, if someone comes along and, and just say, for example, offers them 50 million, which... Exactly. You know, it, it, That's it, a bargain it, in this waiting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in, you know, in this current kind of market, you know, as we are now, 50 million isn't really a big, I mean, United paid it for Fred, to be honest with you, <laughs> 50 million, you know, and, and if Leverkusen just go down that, uh, you know, go down that road and say, hey, look, you know, we, we probably need the money, um, yeah. then, you know, then it's going to ask some questions. But um, yeah, like I said, he should definitely stay another season or so. All right. Um, final break then. When we come back, we talk about the black and yellow. Stay tuned. The waiting is almost over. The Premier League is back and it's live. On the ball on BFM 89.9. That's it. It's all over. This is a big win. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back. Back on a Monday with a show normally you will hear on a Friday. Confused? Not as much as we are. On the ball, in isolation, with me, Ross, and my, my very special guests this week, uh, Craig Marias, Kishnan, and Nicholas Arnil. Um, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. You can follow us on BFM Football, on Instagram, and on Facebook as well. And you know what? The guys and I have set up a YouTube channel. Do subscribe to TFIF on video. Right. Uh, more about that, I'm sure you're here as we go along. Uh, building up to the Premier League's return, we are. But for now, the big game on Sunday, we've got to talk about uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, they, they may have lost the head-to-head against um, Bayern, but, but now they, they'll be, well, driven to, to make sure they don't get caught up by, by the rest of the pack. And certainly, they'll want to at least finished second. Uh, we saw a hat-trick from England's Jaden Sancho, Nicholas Arnil. Uh, he's looking good. First start, first ever hat-trick. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Dortmund didn't really look like uh, they were going to win so comprehensively. No, 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 up to half-time they didn't. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Paderborn, you know, despite being uh, the, the, the team who's uh, at the foot of the table, you know, they really gave a good account of themselves at least in the first half. But uh, the experience of uh, Dortmund toll and um, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Jaden Sancho is ultimately uh, the difference. You know, he's such a skillful player. You know, he can operate on the left, he can operate on the center, he can he can even operate uh, on, on the right wing. Uh, and what what he's so good at is you know his deception. The way he scored the the, the third goal, you know, he looked like he was going to go for the pass, yeah. but then you know, uh, clinical a uh, near post finish. Uh, such maturity. For a player his age. I bet Torgan Hazard didn't think that was a good goal, though. <laughs> he was yeah. stood there with his arms wide. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah J- J- Jaden Sancho uh, is an undoubted star. But, but Craig, I want to bring you in here. 
Dortmund achieved a 6-1 win away from home without a, a number nine, basically, because Haaland, yeah. we saw, went off against Bayern. He's going to be out for a few weeks, we, we read. But they, they, they shifted it, didn't they, with, with Hazard and, and Sancho, and, and they look good. Even Guerrero was superb again. Yeah, I think Guerrero's been arguably their best player since they've, they've come back, you know. Um, you know, we talk about Alfonso Davies at, at left-back yeah. for, for, for Bayern Munich. I mean, Guerrero gets into the box as much as he does. You know, he's always there just hanging about just in case there are a bit of leftovers, and, uh, which, he, um, which he's shown um, since he's, we've restarted because he's got a few goals to his name. Um, I think that was the worry coming into this game against Paderborn, who, who are uh, at the bottom. Um, the, the main thing was that who's going to replace Haaland? Um, he hasn't been fantastic uh, since, since the restart, it has to be said. You know, um, and I think, you know, coming up to halftime when it's nil-nil, I think there were a few people going around and, uh, and looking at them and saying, well, you know, they could have actually done with, with a, uh, another striker there. And Dorgan Hazard isn't quite, quite doing it. But there were definitely a few words said at halftime because it was a totally different team that came out. They were more expressive. Um, and I think in the second half, it was just one-way traffic. I thought Jen and Sancho... Um, who hasn't started since the Bundesliga restarted. You know, he, he was absolutely fantastic. And, and he has looked good when he's come off the bench. Um, you know, he's always, he's always got that direct pace. You know, he's, he's tricky. Like, like Nick said, you know, he can go left, he can go right. Um, you know, and finishing was, you know, getting goals was obviously something that, you know, you never um, attributed to him. You know, it was always, you know, assist. Jaden Sancho gets assist. You know, he, he lays it on the plate. But he, so, he showed some good instincts um, selfish instincts, you know, that you want from players who get into goal-scoring opportunities. Um, and, and, you know, I think by, uh, Borussia Dortmund are kicking themselves up from, from last week's match against Bayern Munich yeah. because that first half, they, 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 were, they were good. You know, they, they really should have got themselves a goal. And Bayern Munich didn't look like they were in it. But the second half, you know, they, they were so poor. I was really so disappointed in them. Um, and, you know, it, it's got to the stage of the Bundesliga where... Yeah, you know, it looks like it's going to be going to Bayern Munich again, um, and Dortmund will be kicking themselves because this was a great chance uh, this season for them to to wrap the oh to to get their hands on the title. Jaden Sancho becomes the first English player to score an overseas hat trick in one of Europe's major leagues for 31 years. Last player to do that was ex Luton forward Brian Steen. Did that for Cannes <laughs> against Cannes. In League 1 <laughs> in 1989. So there you go. But, but Jaden, Jaden aside, uh, this Dortmund win saw Schmelzer, the old guard, yeah. get a goal. Uh, Hakimi is another one. I mean, wow. He's, if, if you're talking about best left-backs in the world in Alfonso, Hakimi's in with a shout on the right-hand side. He's consistent. He's attacking. Maybe defensively a bit suspect, Kish. Yeah, and... <sighs> Honestly, that's exactly why this result and just the way things are going at the moment in the Bundesliga is so frustrating for neutrals out there. Because this was the best chance for Borussia Dortmund to pull off an upset and win the Bundesliga. Not just because of the fact that Bayern have struggled and they've had their own problems early on in the season. But you look at this, at this Borussia Dortmund squad and you, you, you get the feeling that this was that one season, one opportunity for them to really pull things together and put a strong claim. Um, and, and they're struggling to do that now. And you kind of get the feeling that at the end of the season, there is a painful rebuilding process to go through. Yeah. I mean, Haaland has obviously been fantastic. 
but there's parts of the squad that will be like Mario Gozzi is leaving. Um, yeah. Ashraf Hakimi is slated to, to return to Real Madrid once his loan expires. Jaden Sancho is almost certain to leave in the summer as well, um, as soon as a club comes in calling. Um, and, and you kind of get the feeling that there is going to be it's this is every few years Dortmund have to go through the rebuilding. That's just yeah. the kind of club. But they, they, they do are, it well. They model. do it well. They do it well exactly. But this is this was supposed to be the season where that rebuilding sort of climaxed and they put in a real strong claim for the title and they yeah. came so close to doing that. And to just falter right at the end the way they did, especially the way that they they played against uh, Bayern Munich. Previous games against Bayern Munich saw them getting trashed. Yeah. This time yeah. around, they dominated, especially yeah. the first half. They yeah. could have scored two or three goals, but they did not score a single goal and they ended up conceding one and they ended yeah. up losing the game and now the title is out of their reach. So right. that 6-1 win, as, as brilliant as it was, and as amazing as it was, but I'm pretty sure a lot of Dortmund fans, even after the game, would have just been filled with so much of frustration. If we can do this, why didn't we do it against Bayern the other day? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, uh, RB Leipzig can pull to uh, within two points of Dortmund and move themselves up to third. Uh, Leipzig are away at Köln tonight. It's the final round of, of matches for, for uh, th- this round. Nick Leipzig's also got one of these rising stars, Timo Werner, who is probably Liverpool-bound, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, just look at his record. This season, he's got 30 over goals. You know, he's, he's, he's up there with, 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 with your top strikers in the world. And um, I, I don't think even a Champions League uh, place would guarantee uh, Timo Werner staying at, at, at Leipzig. You know, he's just, his, his stock has risen so oh, much. Well, Klopp's, uh, Klopp's used the phone, hasn't he? So Yeah, exactly. Deal. When a club... When a club like Liverpool comes calling, you don't think twice. You just, you know, you, you know that's your next destination. And I think that's what's going to happen. But for, but for Timo Werner, you know, he's got a few more games uh, to just, you know, solidify his, his reputation, get a few more goals, maybe perhaps, you know, challenge to, to, to finish in the second or third uh, top goal scorer and, you know, just uh, keep himself there until uh, the likes of Liverpool come calling. Yeah. How, how good is Werner, Craig? <laughs> um... I, I said this a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, I, I'm still not 100% convinced uh, that he'll be Why, uh, the right fit. I think uh, his look, moodiness is the only question mark for me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've seen him. I've seen him play, and yes, I mean, he, he's had a great season this year. Um, but you know, in previous years when I've watched him, whether it's been for Germany or or, or, or Leipzig, and I, I just never. I mean, he's not a player who I'm convinced that could just walk into that Liverpool team. Now, you're looking for someone to... Maybe, maybe they're, they're moulding someone, you know... I mean, Firmino's getting on a bit. I think he must be about 28, 29. Uh, now, maybe they, 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 they're having a backup option. Maybe Origi leaves uh, or whatever. I think that's what he will be if he goes to Liverpool. He'll be a backup option. Okay. Now, at this stage of his career... He doesn't you know, really playing, need that. Playing champions, look. Yeah, does he want to be sitting on a bench? I don't think so. Is he good enough to... to I, he can play anywhere in that front three, you know, where it's on the right, left or up front. Is he good enough to to break into that Liverpool starting eleven? I don't think so. He's nowhere near that kind of level yet. I think he needs another few more years at Leipzig. Get get his um, um, get a consistency um, to to his goal scoring, and then make that move. I mean, if he's going to go somewhere um, to the Premier League, yeah, if he was to go to an Everton, I can kind of see that. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say a mid-table club, but you know, high, higher up, maybe about yeah. you know sixth, seventh place. I, I can see him do that. But to go straight into you know the champions of uh, of, of Europe, to go to the champions of of England, 
Um, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not convinced that he's good enough to break that front three of Mane, Firmino and Salah. All right. Um, there is a midweek game. Bremen take on Frankfurt in, in their, their game in hand. That's uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Next weekend is the big one. If Bayern win it, I, I, it's done. It's probably already done now. Yeah, but it's already Bayern done. Bayern Leverkusen uh, versus Bayern Munich is the standout game next weekend. And we will be talking about it on next Monday's show. For now, though, I am going to say thank you to Kishnan. Yes, Ross. Uh, thanks to Nicholas Arnil. Thank you, Ross. And thanks to Craig Marias. Thank you very much, Ross. Yeah, thanks to you guys for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, TFIF on video. And we'll see you next Monday. Bye now. Some people are on the pitch. They think it's all over. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9. It is now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.